Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. And good morning, my family. How are you? Well, we are uh, um, going to, I'm, I'm going to teach today, not in a series. This is just a standalone message called Culture Shift. And, and it's really about current events. It's something that, that God has been putting on my heart for really months now. And, and I'm going to uh, uh, talk very openly with you, obviously from the Word of God. And uh, I, I want you to know in this message, you know, we love to laugh here at New Song. We love to, to, to just have fun in church. We think church should be a fun experience. And, and some of you this morning are going to say, well, well, this isn't funny. You know, this isn't, not that my jokes are going to be bad, but uh, there's not many jokes to tell when you talk about what we're going to talk about today, what's happening in culture. And how, how many just, you, you just see the world kind of shifting in a direction. And, and it's not just, it's just not COVID. It's, it's things are being revealed right now, I, I, I sense. And uh, I want to address that. And before I do, uh, I, I want to show you a picture that we show probably once a year or something like that. Let's see if we can pull it up. There it is. It's, um, this is something that many of you have seen before, but on a, on a day like today, we probably should talk about this again, that in the middle of, that's not it. There, there it is. There, and what's that timer behind me? We're having some problems today, aren't we? There we go. So in the middle of that, um, that bullseye, as we call it, are the absolutes. Those are the absolutes of Scripture. Those are the things we say around here. Those are the things worth fighting for. Like, like God, God is a creator. Uh, Jesus is savior. Uh, those are the absolutes in the Bible. How many know what I'm talking about? There are absolutes in the Bible. But then outside of the absolutes, there are interpretations. So, so an absolute is, is Jesus coming again? Yes, he is. That's absolutely. And I'm going to prove that to you this morning in just a few minutes. Jesus is coming again. Now, uh, interpretation is, uh, let's say, um, let's say, you know, interpretation of that would be, okay, is Jesus coming before the, the tribulation or in the middle of the tribulation? Well, that's interpretation of scripture. Time will tell. Uh, somebody's going to be right. Okay. Somebody, somebody's going to be right. But if you, if you're a study of the word of God, I guarantee you there are pre-trib, uh, people here in the room and there are mid-trib people in the room. And if you don't know what that is, don't worry about it. All right. For right now, just, just skip that. And, uh, and those are interpretations. Everybody with me so far, but then we have the deductions. Well, when is Jesus going to come back? Well, I, 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 I know that there are a lot of people that, that are here in this room that you would have thought that Jesus already would have returned. Like you expected him to return 30 years ago. Uh, some of you, if you remember this, expected him to return in 1988 when that guy wrote the book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Going to Return in 1988. But that didn't happen, did it? Uh, and so, so we have these deductions. Well, when is Jesus going to come back? Well, I, I have a sense about that, but I, I, I can make a deduction, but I don't know. And it's certainly my deduction is not an interpretation. It's just a deduction. It's just what I think. Everybody see that? 
And then on the outside of that, we have cultural norms, personal preferences, traditions, and feelings. And what's interesting is most churches, when they split, uh, when, when a church just comes to a disagreement and they, you know, half the congregation goes this way and the other half goes that way, they, they normally never do that over absolutes or interpretations or deductions. They normally split over cultural norms, personal preferences, traditions, or feelings. Well, we've always done it this way. Well, I really feel that the carpet should be red because red is the color of Jesus' blood. Well, I think it should be purple because that's the color of royalty. And they get all mad and in a huff and they, well, if you don't like my ideas, I'm out of here. Well, that's just stupid, everybody. It's just stupid, right? You know, I'm so glad that when we put in this carpet in this church, I got nothing but compliments that nobody ever came to me and said, well, I just don't like that carpet. I'm glad you didn't because I would have punched you, okay? That's (laughs) softly, but I would have. No, I wouldn't have, but so you have personal preferences, you have, you have cultural norms, you know, which is, uh, um, well, but in fact, my, my, my sons and daughters, when they sometimes travel with um, the, the school that they, they attend, Grace Baptist, sometimes they go to churches and sing specials, and they said sometimes it's like walking back into the 1960s, that a church is still doing church like they did in the 1960s, and, and, and they, they don't know how to reach this generation, um, because they're 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 just stuck in tradition. They're they're stuck in their in their norms, and they they haven't figured out. You know what? If we want to reach this generation, it might be time to try something a little bit different. You know how many know what I'm talking about, everybody? You know what I'm talking about. So so um, this morning, I say that to say this. First of all, here at New Song, we focus on the absolutes of Scripture, and when we get to the point of in, interpretation or deduction. Um, I'll, I'll always say something like, hey, this is just my opinion. Or, you know, the way I read this is, and then I'll explain that, and you don't have to buy into that or not. You, you don't have to. Everybody get that? And so this morning, I'm going to try to differentiate a little bit between what's, what are absolutes and what are just interpretations or deductions of Scripture, and that's going to that's help us because uh, there are some people in this room that you're, you're reading what's happening in the world in a different way than others are reading what's happening in the world. And, and that's, time will tell, everybody, time will tell. And, and that's, not, that's not something that pulls us apart, that's actually something that should cause us to get together and say, you know what, none of us really know what the timing is and what's gonna be happening in the world and what's gonna be happening in the future, but we can certainly get together and pray. We can certainly call upon the name of the Lord. We can certainly rise up and be the church that, we, that God has called us to be. Amen to that, everybody? Amen to that? So, so you see, it doesn't, create, it doesn't create friction. It actually creates unity that, it, that it's okay to sit in the same room and say, hey, there are some things I just don't understand and some things I, I have an opinion on, but that doesn't mean I'm right and it doesn't mean you're right and but we all know that, that Jesus is wanting to do something. The Holy Spirit is wanting to do something in this generation. He's wanting to do something right now in this generation, in this moment in history. And we want to be part of what he's doing. Amen? Okay, so, so now, now we're going to look at this culture shift, this shift that's happening. And, and I want to share some, uh, before, I, before I give you this portion of scripture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I want to tell you, in the Old Testament alone, there were over 330 distinct prophecies about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Over 330. Now, about 100 of those were concerning the first coming of Christ. And by the way, all of those came true in the Lord Jesus Christ. Every single one of them. 
So, so now that leaves us with over 200 prophecies in the Old Testament alone about the second coming of Christ. And, and I'm, I'm going to say this then. How much, if, if, the, if the 100 prophecies came true about his first coming, how much more can we be sure that the, the 200 plus prophecies are going to come true about his second coming? How many know what I'm talking about? If 100 came true, then 200 is far more likely to come true. I mean, it's just amazing to me, everybody, that, that Jesus, Jesus is coming again. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's coming again. And we read this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Let's go there right now. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. That's why we're called believers. We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he died for our sins and he was raised to life. And we are raised to new life in him. And so we believe that God will bring Jesus, will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Watch this, verse 15. According to the Lord's word. So, so he, he's saying, not, this isn't just my word. He's saying, hey, we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We know who he is. We know that he died. We know that he was raised to life. And according to his word, not my word, lest you doubt. Nope, it's the Lord's Word, so you need to pay extra special attention to that. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who've, who uh, are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself, here it is, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Jesus is coming again. Absolutely. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Okay, so no matter what, let me say this then. So no matter what is happening in culture, no matter what our future holds in this generation, in this moment of history, we can say this with all certainty. Jesus is coming again. And when you hear that, you should say in your heart and maybe even out loud, amen. Absolutely. I am encouraged by the thought that what we're experiencing right now, we will not always experience. One of these days, we will be in the very presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is meant to encourage every single one of us. And that's why it says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. I was just doing that yesterday at Isaac's Open House, and thank you for all, all of you who came and supported my son, and he had a great day. Me and mom are tired, but he had a wonderful day. And, uh, and, and s some people came in, and they were just, Pastor, we don't know what to do, and this is frustrating, and I, I'm really, you know, I, I just have all these emotions. And, 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 and I looked at him, and I said, you know what, though? But Jesus is coming again. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And, and the smile that would come across their face, yes, he is. I'm ready. Pastor, are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready for Jesus to come again, right? Like, I'm just, I'm just ready. 
I'm ready for that. So therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, that being said, that being said, what do we do now? And what's happening now? We know what will happen in in the future. We don't know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. Jesus is coming back. We have something to look forward to. We're all going to, all of us who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, one of these days, all of us are going to be in his presence, loving him and worshiping him, and we encourage each other with those words. But what do we do right now? Well, number one, if you're taking notes, write write this down, that the time just before Christ's return is called the last days. It's just, it's just what we call that. All theologians call that. It's just, if you study your Bible, you just kind of know, hey, we're living in the last days. If we, if we weren't living in the last days 20 years ago, I think we're living in the last days now. And I know we're closer to it than ever before. How many know what I'm talking about? Like, we're closer than ever before. So the time before the return of Christ, the second coming, is called the last days. Number two, the last days will be marked by, by culture and by events. And the Bible is so very, very clear about this, that, that the last days will be marked They will be marked by culture and by events. And we can read this all throughout um, the Bible. In fact, I'm going to share some scriptures with you this morning. And again, I'm going to give you a lot of things very, very quickly. So, um, you know, take good notes and come back and listen to this later. It'll be online. 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 4 says, but mark this. There there will be terrible times in, what's that? In the last days. So before the coming of Christ, there's going to be some terrible times. So, so as we say in the South, not, not everything is going to be hunky-dory. You know what I'm saying? There's going to be some bad days. There's going to be some terrible times. There's, there's going to be some things that we walk through that are frustrating. Some things that we walk through that, that we're going to have to stand firm in the faith, that we're going to have to give our all to the Lord Jesus Christ, that at that point, we don't walk around as wishy-washy Christians. We walk around as warriors, soldiers for the Lord. In the last day, there will be terrible times. There will, there will be some hard days. There will be conflict. There, there will be persecution. And, and we'll talk about that more in a second, but he's, he's about to list some things that we're going to see, part of the terrible times. He's getting ready to list, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. And now he's about to tell you what makes things terrible. What's this? Verse 2, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. He said, there, there are going to be some terrible times. And, and culture, the, 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 let me say it like this, that the last days will be marked by culture. Because those are cultural items. Yes, they're actions, but they're also part of our culture. Our culture is right now ungrateful unholy, unloving, unforgiving. So if you take all of those words that, that is just written right there in 2 Timothy 3, you can kind of break them down. Every one of them will fit into one of those four categories. Ungrateful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving. How many think, looking around in our nation right now, 
looking where we are as a culture, that it seems to me that we're living in the last days. So, and, and, and the Bible's very clear about this. You'll know you're in the last days when you see these things, when you see these things. Now, that, that's, just, that's just concerning culture. But there are also events that will be happening in the last days that we find, and, and I, I, don't, I don't have nearly the time needed to go through all of these. So I'm just going to give you some general scripture references, okay? You can find these in Matthew chapter 24, in Mark 13, in 2 Peter 3. You can find them throughout the book of Revelation. You can find them in Daniel. You can find them throughout the entirety of the Bible, okay? And, and there are some words I'm going to give you about what's going to be happening in the last days. And if you read Matthew 24, Mark 13, 2 Peter 3, just all, all of the prophecies about what will be in the last days, you're going to find these things. Destruction. Deception. Disaster. And distress. You're going to find all of those things. I'm going to say them again if you're taking note. Destruction, deception, disaster, distress. Again, when we look around the world right now, are we seeing those things? I think so. I think so. Is it, is it going to get worse? Yes, it is going to get worse. I, I think we're seeing the beginnings of it. Now, um, th there's also one more word that I left out, and I left it out on purpose be because it's, 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 it's one of the things that we're going to be seeing in the last days that isn't a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. So there's four pretty big negatives right there, but then there's a positive, and that word is declaration. Declaration. Okay, so, so what's happening here? We find in Mark 13, again, this is all talking about the, the last days. Mark 13, he says, and the gospel must first be preached to all nations, that there is going to be a declaration of the gospel of grace, that people are going to rise up, they're going to testify about the Lord Jesus Christ, and that testimony is going to be shared among all people groups around the world. And everybody, there's never been a moment in history like there is right now in which the gospel is being relayed literally around the world. It's happening right now. People groups that, that once uh, we knew just 10 years ago that nobody, no missionary, no person has ever reached them with the gospel. Now we have evidence that there are people groups that have been reached with the good news of Jesus. That, that we knew that they existed. In fact, um, in, in South America, there was a people group down there, this, this tribe that they, uh, they lived in the trees and they just didn't hardly come down and they were so aggressive and so, so um, how do I say, um, uh, you just would never know what they were going to do. What's that word? Um, not just spontaneous, but unpredictable. Yeah, they, you just didn't know. And so a lot of people would just stay away. And of course, nobody had ever reached this group with the gospel. Well, finally, somebody broke in there, became friends with these tree people and, and, and led them to the Lord. In fact, the, the chief got 
saved, he accepted Jesus Christ and pretty much commanded that all of his, uh, everybody else does too. You know, well, you're all going to do this. And, and, and that, that group of people, you know, 10, 10, 10 years ago or so was not reached at all, but it is now. It is now. And, and think about this, everybody. If you go to Google Earth and you can see every single tree around the world, have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought that you can go to Google Earth and you can hone in on anything around the world and you can see every tree that's growing around the world? Don't you think that we know where all of the people around the world are living? And don't you think that God has Christians, missionaries, pastors, evangelists stationed all around the world to reach these people that nobody has reached before? Many theologians, many pastors believe that this prophecy, that the that, that the gospel will go all the way around the world to all people groups. Many pastors believe that that's already taken place, that there's nothing restricting the return of Christ. Now, I don't know. That's just their opinion. It's not an absolute. Everybody get that, right? But we do know this. It is happening at a speed that we have never had, that we've never seen happen before. But let, let me share with you something else. I, I was thinking about this. Um, I, I was really disturbed um, about what California decided um, a couple of weeks ago where California said, hey, in these 32 counties, uh, we're just shutting down the churches. You know, no, no, no indoor worship services whatsoever. And, and I know that there are churches in California that are meeting today because they refuse to be told by the government what to do. And they said, no, we are the church. It, it's for times like these that we gather, that we meet, that we worship, that we, that we live out the Christian life. And, and, and I'm going to tell you something. Um, I, I applaud those pastors in those churches. And, and, and I was, I was praying for those churches, as I was praying for those pastors, as I was praying for California, as I was praying for the churches all across America, so many Christians living in fear and the government, you know, having the tendency just to come in and saying, no, no, we just refuse to let the church meet. In fact, for a while, you guys know this. It was like, okay, well, you can assemble, but nobody can sing. No singing in, in church. Well, that grieves me. Does it grieve you? Because we are meant to gather and worship the Lord Jesus Christ with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, the Bible says. Well, it bothers me. I was praying about it. I said, Lord, what's your will? What, what's your will in this? What's your will for the church? Like, like I, I'm, I'm torn. I don't know when people are asking me these questions. I don't know the answer to all of these things. A lot of people are saying, well, the church needs to meet anyway. And then the, there's other people saying, no, for everybody's safety, we need to listen and just obey. Just, you know, it's no big deal. What's well, a big deal to me? And I was praying about this. And, and I said, Lord, what, what's my stance? How do I pray? And God just, just brought a scripture to mind. It's like that. He said, a verse that almost everybody in this room knows, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves. And, and I thought immediately, well, you know, here in America, we use that as, oh, you've been skipping church. You shouldn't skip church. You know what the Bible says. Don't forsake the something of yourself. You need to be here that, this Sunday. And that's true. It's, that's not wrong. But, but then, I, then, it, then it hit me too. I thought, you know what? What's the context of that verse? 
And I've thought about the, I thought about the context, and I didn't have to read it. I already knew the context of that verse. Lord knows I've quoted it so many times, <laughs> I know by heart. But I want to I share with you the context of that verse, and some of you already know where I'm going with this. It says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Like, let's hold to it. Let's, let's, let's stay true. Verse 24 in Hebrews 10, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And here it is, everybody, verse 25, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially, watch this, now that the day of his return is drawing near. Like, now that we're in the last days, don't forsake the assembling of yourself. <laughs> Come on, that'll preach right there, everybody. Like in these last days, don't forsake the assembling of yourself. You know, I was thinking about this. That verse to Americans, as I've already said, means, oh, you've been skipping church. You need to come this Sunday. But there are churches in China who read that verse completely different than you and I. There are churches in China that are meeting underneath communist China, underneath communism, and they read that verse, and it's not about skipping church, everybody. It's about we will not forsake the assembling of ourselves, even if we have to meet in church underground, even if we have to hide out from government officials, we will meet and we will bless the Lord and we will encourage each other and we will study his word and we will be this church in a generation that's trying to shut us down. We will thrive. Now, all of a sudden that verse was just awakened in me. Oh, Lord, help your church but not forsake the assembling of themselves, but to get together, thrive like we're meant to thrive. You say, well, pastor, it, it sounds to me like, like if Indiana told us that we're not having services, that you're going to have them anyway. The very thought of that, can I be honest with you? The very thought of that, having to make that decision, breaks my heart. But I want, I want to tell you point number four. Our response is to stand firm. It's to stand firm. It's our, it's our response. And it's not out of rebellion. It's not, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not a rebellious spirit. It's adhering to the word of God. It's adhering to the call of God upon our lives. It, it, it's, it's saying, it, it's saying I, I'm not going to fall down and be wishy-washy in a culture that thinks that I should just roll over. I just can't do that. I just can't do that. And as culture shifts... I've just made up my mind I'm not going to shift with it. 
It's not. And I, I know that that's a, that's a tough line. I know. And I know that there's some great men and women of God who pastor churches that, that are not going to take that stance. And I, and so we pray, and so we encourage, and so I'm responsible for me. I'm not, like, like their, as I've taught you, their response is their responsibility. I'm not responsible for their response. I'm responsible for my response. So e- even if I have to meet in a basement, I'll meet in a basement. You know what I'm saying, everybody? And it sure makes you want to pray for those in communist societies, doesn't it? Our response is to stand firm. Matthew 24, 12 and 13. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. We're talking about the last days. That's what Matthew 24 is all about. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end who stands firm to the end, who stands firm to the end, will be saved. Well, listen, listen to this, everybody. Listen to these verses. They won't be on your screen. Just listen. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Stand firm. 1 Corinthians 6, 16, 13. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. 2 Corinthians 1, 21. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. That it's the will of God that we stand firm. Do you catch that? 2 Corinthians 1, 24. It is by faith that you stand firm. It's by faith. Well, I don't know what's going to happen. Neither do I. But I'm standing firm. Ephesians 6, 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Philippians 1, 27, whatever happens, whatever happens, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. He said, I'll know that you're standing in unity. First Peter 5, 9, resist him. Resist who? Resist the evil one. Resist the devil, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world, we were just talking about this, we know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So stand firm. James 5, 8, be patient. And stand firm. We're talking about the last days. Be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. You know, these are just a few of the verses I could have shared with you. And I just have an idea that when the Bible repeats itself over and over and over and over again like that in an area, I think it's trying to tell us something. How many know that the church of God needs to stand firm? That we just need to stand firm. And I don't know what that looks like. I, I don't know what's going to be uh, requested of us. I, I, don't, I, don't know, I, I don't know those things. But I, I will tell you this, though. I will tell you this. But I, I've, as, as your leader, as your pastor, as your friend, as the one who prays for you and covers you in prayer and, and just fights for you, 
I just want you to know where I stand. I'm going to lead this church according to the word of God and I'm going to do it in faith. And and that that doesn't mean I'm going to rebel. Like like I I didn't I didn't we didn't have to tell you know to request all of you to wear masks as you're coming in and going out today. We didn't have to do that. I mean, I could have just said, "Well, they'll know, just we're not going to say anything." No, I, I you know, if it helps other people feel more protected and, and if people say, hey, I'm, I'm so glad that people are wearing this because now I can come to church. I mean, now I'm going to be safe. I, I'm going to be protected and, and, and I'm glad New Song's looking out for me. If, if it causes us to reach one more person for Jesus, I don't mind that. I don't care about that. You, you know what I'm saying? There's a difference. I'm, I'm not trying to rebel. I'm just saying if, if somebody says, you know what? The churches are just not going to meet anymore. In California, they said indefinitely. There's no meetings in I just want you to know. I love God and I love his church too much. And I would stand with my brothers and sisters in California who say we're going to meet anyway. And whether that was with five people or 500 people, I I just know where I would stand. And if you say, boy, I don't know, I really struggle with that. That's okay. That's okay. You don't have to agree with me. You don't have to. I just want to honor God. And I want to stay true to his word. And if he says, don't give up meeting together, then I'm not going to give up meeting together. You know, I told you months ago, we did it once. I don't know that we'll do it again. We, we closed down services and went online for a couple of months once. I don't know that we're going to do that again. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the future holds. But I know that God is looking for a people who are going to stand firm in the faith in these last days and I want to be faithful to him Heavenly Father we need your help this nation needs your help in so many ways Lord we need we need you to show up in power we need you to heal people Lord I know even in this church there are people who have been in the hospital as of late, that we've gone through really tough times just physically, emotionally, spiritually, God. And they need your healing touch. Heal them, I pray, Lord, today. Touch them, I pray. Lord, for my brothers and sisters in California, really in other areas too, where they're just being told, no, you can't meet. And and they've just taken a stand and said, well, we're going to. Lord, I I don't know what governments will do. I don't know what authorities will do. I, I don't know what the pastors will do and their churches will do. Father, we need you to step in. We need you in this nation, Lord. Have mercy upon our nation, oh God. Let your church rise, but let them do it the right way. Not with rebellious hearts, Lord. Not with wrong motives. Not out of anger, unless it's the anger that you allow us to have, that righteous anger. We don't want to move in worldly anger. We don't want to make decisions with the wrong motives. God, we just need you. 
And I don't know what the future looks like. I don't know what you have planned for this nation. I don't know what you're going to be doing. But Father, one thing I know is that you are faithful and you always do what you promise to do. Father, that you know what direction our nation needs to go. You know who needs to be in leadership. You know what needs to happen, Father, so that the lost could come to know you. Father, you know all of those things. And in this day, we want you to know that we trust you, that our hope is in you, and that we stand firm in your promises, God. And we thank you, Father, for leading us, for guiding us, for protecting us. Lord, we thank you that there's going to be an awakening in this nation that many people, thousands upon thousands upon thousands, will call upon you for salvation. They will surrender their life to you. Father, we thank you for that, that you're winning lost people, that you're reaching lost people, that they're hearing your voice and they're responding. We thank you for that, Father. Lord, send a revival through this land, I pray. Revive your people. Revive your church, Father. Let us rise up as the men and women that you have called us to be as we live for the glory of your name. Lord, I pray for all governmental leaders that are making decisions that affects, that affects the church, your church. Oh God, give them wisdom and let them do nothing outside of your plan, outside of your will. Lord, let them surrender to it. In fact, I pray, Father, capture their hearts. Capture their hearts. Pray that they would surrender and submit to you. Oh God, do the miraculous. We don't know how it's going to get done. But Father, we don't understand miraculous things. <laughs> I've seen a lot of miracles, Lord. It didn't mean, doesn't mean I understood them. But I sure celebrated when I saw them. And Lord, you are a miracle-working God. So we might not even understand how it's getting done. But we will celebrate you. And we will honor you. And we'll worship you with all of our heart. And we pray it all in the name of Jesus Christ, the strong Son of God. If you believe that this morning, say a very big amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.